you to Sam and the team for leading us so well today. And uh, it is just great to be worshipping God here again at the Hills Christian Family Centre. We are delighted this morning to have Josh and Sally Boiser uh, with us. And uh, I asked Josh for a few uh, biographical notes. And he opened, off, he opened up by saying that Josh and Sally are inbred CRC. Uh, and I thought, now this is concerning, and I thought whether we should get some genetic counselling. But I th- what he meant was that both of their parents are CRC pastors and that they met through a CRC leadership seminar. I'm delighted that after leading those seminars for all these years that they have had some productivity in the history of the CRC, uh, even if they haven't trained anyone. No, I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have, but they're helping. So they've been married for 19 years. They've got two kids, promise 19 years, that's what you gave me. Is that right? Did you get it right, Sally? 90 years. And Josh, Josh is thinking but would never say, it feels like 90, but no, he didn't say that, Sally. He didn't say it. And he, Promise is not here today, is she? Just Rocky. It's official today that Rocky's got the coolest name in the church. That's absolutely official. So it's great to have them. Josh was an economics teacher for 10 years before accepting a full-time call to ministry. He's been the senior pastor of Port Life Church for the last eight years, as well as the board chairman of Portside Christian College. That's a key ministry of the school. Recently appointed to CRC State Vice Chairman for SAWANNT. So Josh and I serve on that group together, which has been a delight. And he's passionate about God, the Adelaide Crows, and Funko Pops. Judy and I pulled a blank on Funko Pops. So whether they're going to be at morning tea or not, I do not know, but um, they sound good, sound like fun. Sally is an associate pastor at the Port Life Church, and uh, she's particularly passionate about marriage, women's ministry, and chocolate. That's a pretty good lineup. And she's authored the book, That Book for Wives. So we're going to begin this morning by getting her to say a few words about the book before she hands over to Josh to bring us the word. So put your hands together for Sally, folks. Thanks, David. Hi, everyone. It's great to be here with you all this morning. And what a beautiful looking church you are. I'm very impressed. Um, I met Josh nearly 21 years ago now on my last day of year 12. And when he walked in the door of my house, I was like, wow. Like tall, dark, handsome. And then I got chatting with him. You all meant to go, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. And, um, And they got chatting with him and we just hit it off straight away. And I just thought, man, this guy is amazing. And he loves God and he's gorgeous and, you know, what more could you want? Then we got married. Yeah. So, and then I discovered Josh had all these other qualities like being irritating, frustrating, annoying. And, uh, again, the silence. No one else has experienced this. I'll just sail it off into the sunset, hey? Okay. So... It was challenging, to say the least, or he was challenging. Um, And I used to whinge to God a lot about him. And then God just sort of talked back to me and said that maybe I was part of the problem. And that was a little bit hard to handle because I thought I was doing it all pretty good. But as time went on and I began to read more books on marriage and really read the Bible in relation to marriage, I discovered all these truths um, that really spoke to my heart, really convicted me. And as a result, I got a real passion to be the best wife I could be and to really learn all I could to tackle marriage in a way that was God-honouring and in a way that would make marriage fun. And so over the years I wrote down all different things that God taught me, all the different lessons and eventually it came to become a book um, which is the book that I finally published last year. And I just really want to encourage you that if you're like me and you have an irritating husband or a husband that just doesn't do the right thing, then hopefully you can learn from my mistakes and you can learn um, from the things that I learned uh, about what God actually says about how to handle those situations and how perhaps maybe you can change and focus on how you can love your husband, accept your husband and treat him the way that God's called to. And you know what? It just makes such a difference. And I enjoy being married so much more now than I did back in the early days um, and have really come to understand and honour and love my husband for who he is and stop trying to make him who I think he should be. So I just want to encourage you, it is very easy to read, you can read it probably in a morning, Um, it's biblically based, very practical, if you're interested I'll be out at the desk afterwards, feel free to come and ask me questions. Thanks guys. 
Good morning. So I'm the irritating one. My wife is perfect. But that's okay. We compliment each other then. So um, David asked me, we are, actually, our churches have something in common and, and um, actually have a few things in common. Apart from the fact that we're fellow CRC churches, we both have a great interest in Myanmar. And Dave said to me, look, can you just show us a couple of pictures if you get a chance of what you guys have been doing there? Because I know that you guys have invested heavily in the Bible College over the years and I've visited that place and what a magnificent ministry that is. And I just want to thank you all, you know, the, the money and whatever you guys have put into that and the ministry, wow, it is making a huge difference over there. But I've got a couple of photos to quickly show you if that's okay. Um. In 2011, we bought some land, and then um, in 2015, it took a couple of years, but we built this building here, and it's a children's home um, in Mandalay. Uh, it's probably only 15 minutes away from the Bible College that you would know of. And um, that, um, oh, there's some of the kids from our children's home and a van that we bought. And so that's been a key ministry for us, and um, we're also investing into an early learning centre over there. We think that education is a way to really influence people in that country, Christian education. And, and uh, so we're also about to embark on a new project and I'm going to very quickly show you that as well. Um, that's starting later this year. That's going to be upstairs is going to be for young girls uh, to live and downstairs we're looking at building a ELC there as well. So we really feel as a church with a school that uh, we, we think we can replicate something uh, overseas, and we think the best way, I mean, with the current ELC over there, it is, as you probably know, if you've been part of that, um, it's full of uh, little Buddhist children that Buddhist parents are willing to send their kids there. And so we think what a great way to um, continue on what Pastor Andrew and the team over there are already doing. And so please pray for us if you get a chance, but we'll be embarking on that later this year. Thanks. That's just a little update on what where we're at anyway. But this morning I spoke, I thought to speak on what I'm calling the Eddie Betts dilemma. Um, do we have any Crow supporters here? Any? Oh my goodness! Oh, I do realise I am, I am, Sally and I are basically missionaries in Port Adelaide because I mean it. I mean, they are the most feral, godless group you can get. They're all Port Power supporters. It's terrible. But, you know, sometimes you go where God calls you and it's great to be home. So that's amazing. Really, that many. That's awesome. Oh, you're going to love this sermon then, I think. The Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And it also says to love your neighbour. And I know that loving God and I know that loving people should be my number one priority in life. But that doesn't always mean that it is. How can I know if my heart and my priorities are right? And I think there's a crucial question we need to ask ourselves. And I'm going to put it up here for you. And it's, where am I storing my treasure? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to be putting the scriptures on the screen here for you. I use the New Living Translation. If you've got a different translation that you like to use, feel free to get out your phone or whatever you need, or your Bible if you've got that here to do that. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And obviously this passage is not saying that treasure is evil. And it's not saying that we should throw our treasure away. Jesus is just advising us here, I believe, on where we should store it. He says, don't store the treasure here on earth. Store it in heaven. Now we know what it means to store up treasures here on earth, don't we? We get some treasure and we invest it into getting more treasure so that we can have more treasure, so that we can invest it into more treasure, so that we can make more treasure, so that we can eventually get more treasure. In other words, we store up treasure for ourselves 
or make treasure to increase our pleasure. But Jesus says, don't do this. Don't store up treasure for pleasure. This isn't safe. It won't last. First of all, he says that moths will eat them. Now, I have an old family will. I've got a photo of it here. From 1730. 1730, this will. And it is so fragile. We've kept it in the safest place possible. But it is, you can probably see there, and bits and pieces of it are starting to fall to bits, even though it's been so well protected. Over time, the moths and even the air just gets to it, and it is breaking down. Jesus also said that rust destroys them. You know, I have some old coins, but over time, you know, they... You can, you can try to clean them up, but every time you clean it up, it's like a little bit of the coin disappears and it still seems to get this corrosion, corrosion stuff all over it. And then I've got this little precious possession I have here to the left of you. And um, that's my grandfather's uh, dog tag from World War II. And even that, it's, it, we do our best to protect it, but it's all breaking down just as it gets older. And he said that thieves break in and steal. You know, people scam and they steal. Stock markets crash. There's property slumps. And even if you're really good and you manage to protect your antiques really, really well, and even if you were your stocks, you pick them really well and you buy the right properties in the right location, there is still no lasting benefit to us because we can't take it with us when we die. Instead, Jesus said, have treasure by all means. Have a lot of treasure. Treasure is a good thing, but make sure you store it in the right place. Store your treasures in heaven. And what does this mean? It means that we should invest our treasure into God's kingdom. Use all that we have for the glory of God, which lasts. Because it doesn't end when we die. It has eternal benefits. In 2010, uh, our church built what we call Green Monkeys. And I don't think I actually brought a photo of it, so I can't show you it today. But we, bought, we built this two-level indoor playground for the community. And so we, we went to our church and we said, look, we, we really want to put this thing in. We believe that this is a need in our area. There was no little indoor play cafes at all in our whole area near Port Adelaide. And so we went to the church and... We told them about it and, and the church gave enormous amounts of money. Like We said, look, to do this we probably need $95,000 and within two months they'd given us $105,000, which was absolutely amazing. I was blown away. It was not a wealthy church. Remember, we're Port Adelaide. But <laughs> nevertheless, it was amazing how, how, just how um, giving the church was. And, and I looked at this and this truly was storing treasure in the right place. Because people put their money, they invested into this thing, and we have seen countless people get saved through this program. Because we didn't just build a play cafe. We built a facility in which our women could go along and meet other women and get become a part of their life, connect with them, and eventually it's led to so many families. Starts usually with a wife, comes along, gets saved in the church, and before we know it, the husband's there and the kids and the whole families in our church are now saved. And I'm not talking about one or two. This has been over and over again in our church, and it's still happening. Just in the last few weeks, we've had another four, four or five, I can't remember, four or five new families coming in through this Green Monkeys program. And the reason um, that I raise this is those people that have got saved through the money that people invested into that little playground, will be eternally grateful. Not just grateful for a few years, they will be eternally grateful that we invested into God's kingdom. Eternally grateful. And I believe that for those, especially where they are first generation Christians, their families, their generations in the future are going to look back and go, you know, it was because grandparents, they got saved back in that little church in Port Adelaide. They came to that little playground and through that started generation after generation of Christians. And so to me, that is what it means to be investing into the kingdom when you are doing things that have eternal benefits to people. That's storing treasure in heaven. Jesus doesn't care about how much treasure you have. He doesn't mind if you've got a little. 
and he doesn't mind if you've got a lot. But he does care where you store it. Jesus then said, wherever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. If we desire, if we store our treasure on earth, our heart's desires are what we can get for ourselves here on earth. Whereas if we store our treasure in heaven, our heart's desires are what we can give to God for heaven's purposes. So we know where the desires of our heart should be. And the next question is, what should the desires of our heart be? In Luke 10, this is my main passage I want to share on today. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And as he goes through a village, a lady called Martha invites him in for a meal. I'm sure many of you will know this story. I'm going to read it anyway. But I'm sure most of you know this in Luke 10, 38 to 42. It's a story that has been a large part of our church for the last few months. We've had a real connection with this story. We believe it's been a really powerful revelation to us as individuals as well as the leadership team of the church. And I just wanted to share some of the of where we've been looking at with, with the church here today because um, I believe that there may be something in it for you as well. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, Doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing being worth concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not not be taken away from her. Now I want to show you a painting. I just want you to have a little look at this. I think it's a great little picture of the story that we've just read. Martha's rushing around, you can see, trying to prepare this big feast. She's slaving away. She's using every second as best as she can. There's so much she wants to get done. She's probably got to do things like prepare the hummus dip, bake the bread, Prepare the falafel, the pomegranate salad, and my favourite, the lentil stew. Yuck. (laughs) She's taking on a huge task. There's this big dinner and there's lots of preparation to be done. And note, this is a large task that Jesus has not asked her to do. He has not asked her to do this. She's taken it upon herself to impress Jesus with her big effort. And something is bothering her. She has a sister called Mary. Now the fact that she has a sister called Mary, that's not the thing that's bothering her. (laughs) It's the fact that Mary is also in this house and she has made absolutely no effort to help her cook. Why not? Because Mary is sitting over there and all she's doing is listening to Jesus talk. And it gets to the point that Martha, who every now and then has a little glance across, she gets more and more frustrated, she gets more and more angry, that eventually she can't help herself. But interestingly, she doesn't go over to Mary and say something, she goes over to Jesus and says something to him. Rather than go to her sister, she goes to the guest. Not sure that's what would happen if we were annoyed with our relative in our house. She says, Jesus, I'm doing all the work. Surely you can see this. Mary's just sitting there. Does this seem fair to you? She should really be helping me. I mean, we could get this done a lot quicker. Can you tell her to come and help me? But Jesus basically says to Martha, my dear Martha, the fact that he says, my dear Martha, he knows she's trying to please him. But he says, you're worrying about all these things 
that in the scheme, the big scheme of things, they don't really matter. I didn't ask you to do this. Then he says, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. What is that one thing? And it's simple. It's just spending time with God. Sitting at his feet, worshipping God, getting close to God, being in his presence. I want to have a look at that painting again. Was Jesus having a go at Martha for trying to serve him? No. Jesus was not saying we shouldn't serve. He was trying to teach Martha what we should treasure most. Our greatest treasure is our relationship with God. So there's nothing more important for us to be doing than spending time with God. And as Christians, the priority has to be God comes first. When we put God first, we get closer to him. And as we get closer to him, we know what James 4.8 says, he gets closer to us. And this transforms our lives. Our heart attitude changes. Our mind is renewed. Our soul is filled with life. And we start to change how we treat people and how we live our lives. Now Mary and Martha lived with their brother, Lazarus. And Martha was the oldest of the siblings and she ran the household. She was a practical person. She had a strong work ethic. She had a servant heart and she was by nature down to earth. Whereas Mary was one of the few. Sorry, Mary was the one who a few days after her brother Lazarus died was anointing Jesus' feet with expensive perfume and wiped them with her hair. So you can see from that that both Mary and Martha had a real heart for Jesus. They both wanted to please him. And yet Martha gets gently rebuked for wanting to serve him rather than sit. Why? Because our number one priority must be our relationship with God. Why? I've got a few reasons for you this morning. Number one. Because Jesus said so. In verse 42 he says, There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary's discovered it. Mary worked it out. Martha didn't quite get it. She thought she was doing the right thing. She honestly, out of the goodness of her heart, thought that by preparing a meal for Jesus, she was doing the right thing. And I want to call this... It's quite difficult to get our heads around this, but I'm going to call this the Eddie Betts Dilemma. Because what I want you to do this morning is I want you to imagine that you're at home and Eddie Betts walks past your street. Can you picture that? He's walking past your street. You happen to be out the front, maybe pulling out some weeds. You're just out the front. He happens to be there and he stops and you start talking to him. And after a while you, get, you keep talking. You think, well, I'm building a good relationship here. You invite him in. And he says, all right, I'll come in. But, you know, I've got football training. I've got to leave in an hour. But I'll come in for an hour. And so here we are. I want you to picture this. Can you picture your lounge room right now? I can't picture your lounge room, but you can picture your lounge room. I can picture mine. Can you imagine that you've got Eddie Betts and he's sitting there on your lounge? You've got one hour what should you be doing with that one hour that you've got him for? Let's say that you want to be a footballer. Imagine that you really would love to be a footballer. Or maybe it's your kids, but there's someone in the house that really wants to be a footballer. And he's there. You've got Eddie Betts in your house, sitting in your lounge room. You have one hour. What are you going to do? Are you going to spend that hour cooking him a meal Or are you going to spend that hour talking to him about football? It's a pretty easy thing, isn't it? It seems pretty straightforward. It would seem stupid if you had him for one hour to spend that hour cooking a meal for him. Now, I want you to 
remove Eddie Betts from the situation. You're out the front and Jesus walks past your house and he stops and has a conversation with you. And you invite him in. Do you want to come in? You might say, just give me a couple of minutes. I'll just, I just need to go and tidy up the house. He's like, hey, I know everything. I know exactly what your lounge room looks like. <laughs> but imagine you've got an hour. Because he says, look, I've got a meeting with God the Father in an hour's time. But I tell you what, I'm free for now. What are you going to do? How would you want to use that time? He may never, ever walk past your house again. This may be the only time you've got him. You've got 60 minutes. Would you spend that time in the kitchen making him a meal or would you spend that time in the lounge room listening to what Jesus has to say? And when we think of it like that, you can see why Mary got it right. Mary understood that it was far more important to spend time with God than serve God. Because our personal relationship with God is far more important than serving God. And don't get me wrong, I don't want anyone here to stop serving in the church. Serving God is really, really important. First Samuel Chapter 12 says, but be sure to fear the Lord and faithfully serve him. Think of all the wonderful things he has done for you. That's why we serve. We are so appreciative of what God has done for us that we, our hearts are that we want to help build the kingdom. And you know, That is our heart, to serve God. And that should always be that. Serving God is not the problem. So what did Martha do wrong? Martha was distracted, it says in verse 40, by the big dinner she was preparing. Jesus saw that Martha was so focused on the dinner that she didn't have time to spend with Jesus. And there's the problem. When we allow anything to distract us from our relationship with God, guess what? We are a Martha. When we allow anything to distract us from, our, from spending the time we should be spending with God, we're becoming a Martha. Number two, because otherwise it won't happen. I don't know about you, but I don't just automatically spend time with God. It's a conscious decision that I have to make. And Martha, here's Martha, she's in the same house as Jesus and she wasn't able to spend time with him. She's no more than 15 feet away potentially and yet she didn't have the time to spend it with Jesus. How, is the human way. It is not something that comes natural. We have to make it our first priority. Number three. It's good for our health. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you were worried and upset over all these details. You know, Martha was by nature down to earth and, and, and really calm. And here she is, she's getting anxious. She's getting stressed, she's upset, she's jealous, she's being judgmental and she's really worried. And whilst all this is happening, if you think back to our picture, whilst all this was happening, Mary's there sitting peacefully at the feet of Jesus, having the time of her life, totally unaware of anything else that's going on. Because when we spend time with Jesus, it brings rest and peace. It's good for us. It's actually good for not just our spiritual health, but our physical health. One of them is getting quite worked up and, and anxious and sick, and the other one's just going, this is awesome. It comes from spending time with him. Number four, because otherwise we'll become a Martha. What does it mean to be a Martha? First of all, we will complain. In verse 40, she came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? We will undermine authority. It's also in verse 40. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you? It's undermining God's authority. He knew exactly what's going on. In other words, 
God, are you blind to what is happening here? Can't you see this, Jesus? I'm the one working. Why aren't you doing something about this? Jesus, why aren't you doing what I want you to do? See, we'll become envious and think we've been hard done by. My sister just sits here while I do all the work. D, we'll start trying to tell God what to do. Tell her to come and help me. E, we'll concentrate on things instead of God. Martha was distracted by this big dinner she was preparing. The story of this is clear. Do not let anyone or anything get in the way of your relationship with God. That is the clear story. Australian society used to prioritise time for worshipping God. It used to not program other events on Sunday mornings so that people could attend church. But that society is long gone. And these days we have to make choices. We have to prioritise. What we do of our time indicates our priority. And it also teaches our kids what they should prioritise. You know, I want to say something to parents of young kids today. And I hope this is okay. Please take this the right way. But parents, I would say this. Well, the same as what I would say to the, I have said to the parents of my church. Do not allow anything to take priority in the lives of your kids that would teach them that it's okay to put God second. Do not allow anything to take priority in the lives of your kids that would teach them that it's okay to put God second. Martha failed to get close to God. She acknowledged him. She called him Lord. But we know that just calling him Lord doesn't get you closer to God. As Jesus said in Matthew 7, On judgment day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Lord, we did so much. We did so much ministry. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. Martha did things for Jesus. But as Matthew 7 shows, there's no point in doing things for God if you don't know God. The most important thing is knowing God. Martha asked God for something, but that doesn't get you closer to God. Tell her to come and help me, she said. I wonder what percentage of time we spend talking to Jesus. I wonder what percentage of time that we spend talking to Jesus is us asking him for a favour. Lord, help me with this. Lord, can you heal me of this? Lord, can you do this for me? Lord, can you keep me safe in this situation? Can you uh, intervene over here? Can you um, do this? Lord, can you do that? Martha walked into the room. The only thing she said to him, according to this story, is, Jesus, I need a favour. Can you give my sister a kick up the backside? That's her whole relationship with him in that hour that she's got him. To come over and whinge about her sister and get, Lord, can you please do something for me? Because this is not really working out for me. Tell her to come and help. And the question I would ask you is, do you think that that brings you closer to God when all we do is go to him with our problems that we want him to fix? I want you to think about it like this. If If the only time I ever go to my friend Dave over here is whenever I want something, what will our relationship be like? Dave, do this for me. Dave, do this for me. I don't think Dave's really want to... When he sees my face, he's going to go, oh, no, here he comes again. What does he want this time? And Dave's a good guy. You know that. He would, I'm sure he would be the first to do anything for someone. But that is not a relationship when all I do is go asking for things. Dave wants to know that I actually care. And I only care if I actually know him. And I only know him if I talk to him. And if I listen to him. Not when I go to him with my problem. 
If that's all I do, then I might as well just go to an anonymous counsellor because I've got no friendship if all I'm going is asking. But that's the only thing she does in this amazing time when Jesus is at their house. The only thing she does is ask, take, deal with my sister. So what will bring us closer to God? It's pretty simple stuff. Number one, spending time with God, like Mary did. Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet. And this, just sitting with a person develops closeness. As you just listen to the person, as you just start talking, it develops closeness. Where's Martha? She's over in the kitchen. She's not developing any closeness with Jesus. There is no relationship being built there. She thinks she's doing the right thing, but... It's not creating any connection between her and Jesus. So the first thing we have to do, we've got to spend time in God's presence. The second thing we need to do is communicate with God like Mary did. What was Mary doing? It says in verse 39 that she was sitting at his feet, listening to what he taught. Mary was listening. If we want to get closer to God, we have to start listening to God. If all we do is talk at God... Not getting closer to him. We've got to start listening to him. What else will get us closer to God? It's giving God your all, worshipping him wholeheartedly. As it says in verse 39 that Mary sat at the Lord's feet. It's that reverent position, just sitting at the feet, humbling yourself. And just giving God your full attention. She wasn't distracted. She's not over here saying, yeah, I'm listening. Yep. Yeah, that's good. She's not trying to cook. She's not trying to clean. She's just at the feet. Humble position, just listening. How many times do we try to just squeeze God into our lives as opposed to actually sit at his feet. I've got five minutes here. I'll just, I'll just, you know, I'll just fit it in while I'm doing this. It's not really what it means. I love it what David says in Psalm 103. In 103.1 he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. It's not about how many minutes we manage to squeeze in. It's not so much quantity of time as it is quality of time. You need both. But importantly, there has to be quality time. So my simple message to you today, it's a simple one, but I think it's the most important one that we can have, is that there is nothing more important than our relationship with God. There is nothing more important. And I was so pleased to hear the girls that shared this morning, wherever they are, from the conference yesterday, that it's very much in line with the message that I'm bringing today. Uh, I can't remember the second girl that spoke. Uh, She's here somewhere, I guess. But um, this is the same story here. It is through this relationship with God that we have eternal life. It is our greatest Treasure. It is stored in heaven, and the best news is the moths can't get to it, the rust can't eat at it, nothing can steal that from us. It is a treasure that cannot be stolen. It also takes a lot of time and effort, I believe, to really get to know God and to get close to Him. And if we're being honest, it's not easy making God our number one priority. It takes enormous amounts of sacrifice at times. But I want to tell you this morning. It's worth it. Because there's nothing better than knowing not only God, but knowing that your future is secure with an eternity with God. It's an amazing feeling to know that you don't need to worry about the future. You don't need to worry about what's going to happen. God's already got it all sorted. And there is an an eternal future with him awaiting those that are connected to him. More than anything, more than anything, 
Jesus wants you and I to be close to him. Like Mary, he wants us to sit in his presence. But so many of, so many of us are just like Martha. We're just busy. Do you know, there are 10,080 minutes in a week. But I wonder how many of us give God 80 good minutes of that 10,080 a week. I wonder how many minutes we give it. I'm talking quality time. Not just, oh, I just heard a Christian song on the radio. That went for three minutes. I can count that. No. <laughs> Listening to Life FM, which is a great station, uh, does not count. Because I'm sure even Michael over here wouldn't want you praying as you're trying to drive, especially if your eyes are shut. But the thing is that time with him, it's talking about proper time. How many minutes do we give him? I found this challenging for myself when I realised it was 10,080 minutes in a week. And then I start thinking about how much I was giving him. And I've got to be honest, I was a little embarrassed. There is plenty of time. I choose to use it in other areas has been the problem. We prioritise. And we don't prioritise right at times. Let's not be like Martha, being busy, but not blessed. I want to encourage us this morning to be like Mary, to spend time with Jesus, just worshipping him, praising him, letting him speak to, you, to us, listening to what he's wanting to say to us, and see what impact that has not only in your life, but the lives of of the others around you, the more that you spend time with him. You know, I started today with a question. Where am I storing my treasure? And the, that's a really important question because the question wasn't where do I want to store my treasure? I was asking a much deeper question. Not where do I want to store it, where am I actually storing my treasure? That's a hard question for us. If we're being honest with ourselves, that can be a hard question. Where am I actually storing my treasure? Is it in the things of earth, my temporary kingdom, or is it in the things of heaven, God's eternal kingdom? You know, I'm sure that the people of this church, you know, I witnessed it this morning, the people of this church do many great things. I mean, you have to set this place up every week. We are so blessed as a church that we no longer have to do that and I know the time's going to come when you guys won't have to do that. But in a way, that'll be a bit of a shame, in a little bit of a way. Because so many people are are sowing into this and doing this week in and week out and it's a great opportunity to serve and be part of it. But we need to remember that whilst God is pleased that, that a church commits to doing stuff like this, it does not please him as much as you individually spending time with him alone. We've got, to get, we've got to do both. Spending time serving does not count as time worshipping. I'm going to finish up in a minute and I think we're going to have a bit of an opportunity for prayer because this is a... It's one of those things that I find... It's a really challenging concept if we're being honest with ourselves. It's really, really challenging. And it's certainly been challenging for our whole leadership team because our church is so geared around programs and it's so geared around structure and being organised and it's so geared around having so many different ministries to cater for so many different people that do you know what it does? It creates busyness. It creates a lot of people doing a lot of work very regularly. And we realised we're actually not doing what is right. We're actually creating a lot of Marthas in our church. We're creating people that have got great servants' heart and they're serving, serving, serving for Jesus. But that's no good if they don't, as a result, have the time to be worshipping Jesus. 
So we're making a change in our church where we're saying serving is great, but worshipping is better. And so we're going to be, first of all, we want to create worshippers at our church, not Marthas. And so we're getting back to the basics at church, and that is we need to get back to loving God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind and strength, and loving our neighbour as ourselves. This is what we're getting back to with our church. This has to take priority. And if that means that some Sundays we're going to be a little light on in certain ministries, so be it. But we're going to be freeing up people so that they have more time. Not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week. We want to free up time. And then we're going to encourage them to pursue God at all costs. (laughs) Pursue him, pursue him, pursue him. We're doing a range of different things because we've recognised that It's pointless serving God if you don't know him. It's got to be the key. It has to be the focus, getting back to people's relationship with God. And out of that comes service. But it's got to come out of that, not despite that. So if this morning, um, I don't know if we've got someone can play some music or something, or you're going to wrap it up, but I'm more than happy, Dave, to... Pray for people this morning after you've done what you've got to do. If there are people this morning that are feeling challenged by this and are saying, you know what, I reckon I am a little bit guilty of probably focusing too much on the serving side or I'm focusing too much on this, whereas really what I've neglected is the main thing, my relationship with God. I'd love to, I'd love to pray with you if that's the case and um, just speak over your life. So thanks, Dave. Thanks, Josh. That was such a great challenging word and folks how I'd like to close this morning is I'm not going to invite the team to come to the front uh, but we've got a a video Uh, it'd be a shame after listening to that message to rush off and start doing activities so what I want to do we're going to play a a song um, uh, on the screen which has got lyrics there on the screen and I want to invite you to stay exactly where you are and to reflect on what it's saying about the priority of God in our life. So this is going to be a time where, if you like, the singer is praying for us on our behalf. So we'll be voicing the words that she is. And if you want to pray further about this, then we are going to have a time of prayer after we close the service. But I'm just going to ask you now to look to the screen, to be prayerful, to think about what Josh has said, to think about what's going on in your life, and to think about what's on the screen just for the next few minutes. Thanks, Dave. Bring my need, I will bring my heart. Before I lift my cares, I will lift my arms. I want to know you, I want to find you in every season, in every moment. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart.
together folks. Father we thank you for the challenge that we've been given this morning and it's plain and it's simple but it goes right to the heart. Lord we pray that you help us you would help us to get our head on straight and our heart in order. That you would speak to us about the things that we do and place before you. That you would give us ways and strategies to prioritise you, to say, Lord, in this moment, on this day, in this hour, for this week, you will come first every time I get up this week. That we would find the time, make the priority, make the choice where we do spend time with you. And that time would be genuine relationship building, not list giving, not, not about us, but instead about how you desire to commune with us. Father, we thank you for the fact that you've offered us relationship. And Lord, we ask you to forgive us for the times when we've neglected it, when we have just relegated it, and when we've even, in your name, put other things before it. So Father, we thank you that you have spoken your word over us today through Josh, that that, Lord, we've been straightened up. We've been aligned with what your priorities are. And, Lord, we say, have your way in our lives. Direct our steps. Lead us in the way everlasting of relationship and communion with you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, what we're going to do now...